and welcome to Studying the Steps, where we take a deeper dive into the 12 steps. In each episode, an alcoholic woman in recovery helps us study individual steps as outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Through her personal experience and knowledge of working the program, she gives insight on how to apply and practice the spiritual principles being studied. This podcast is from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a nonprofit organization located in Dallas, Texas, and we provide comprehensive recovery services to alcoholic women at absolutely no cost. You can learn more and support our mission at MagdalenHouse.org. Please note, the curriculum we teach through our programs at Maggie's is from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. However, we are not an Alcoholics Anonymous group, and we are not associated with AA. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Ainsley Chapman, and I'm a recovered alcoholic. Uh, my sobriety date is July 7th, 2014. So yeah, when um, Stephanie asked me what I wanted to talk about today, I chose step 10. And I love talking about step 10. And I love step 10, because I feel like there I experienced so much growth in this and this kind of daily habit and routine of you know, self-awareness and bringing things to God and, and watching for things that I am doing in my life. And, you know, before I had gotten into really gotten into working the steps, you know, I had tried to get sober multiple times before I'd even had a sponsor and sort of worked the steps before, but I didn't really understand how to use my sponsor. And step 10 is you know, one of the main things that I'm going to continue doing with my sponsor, you know, after I get through steps one through nine, let's go ahead real quick and just look at like, what are our instructions in step 10? So on page 84, it says that after we do step nine, so we've, we've done our amends, we've started on our amends. And now it says this thought brings us to step 10. And that suggests that we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. So this is going to be something that I'm doing on a daily basis. And I do like to point out that it says we do this as we go along, you know, and it says we, we commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. So for me and what my sponsor had me do was I started on my amends, you know, and I started with the most difficult ones. And as soon as I got started on those, then I'm going to start diving into steps 10, 11, and 12. Um, the reason being is that I don't have the time to wait to start that. And step nine, um, those amends may take a while to make. I have people that were living out of state. I have people that won't talk to me. I have, you know, all of these different situations. And so I have to continue to be willing to make these amends. And as I'm doing that, I'm going to start working on step 10 so that I don't have any of these things build up like they had before. And I love step 10 because it's basically, you know, steps four through nine all rolled up into one that I'm going to continue to do for, you know, my life. And something that I really love about it too, is that, you know, I used to live life just reacting and going through it. I didn't ever think about how I showed up. I didn't think about how I reacted to things or how that would affect people or harming others. You know, I just kind of went through life without considering any of that um, and stepping on people's toes and, and resentful and all of these things. 
Um, and this shows me that I can start looking at my behavior, you know, my reactions to things. Um, and I have really specific instructions on how to do step 10. And so our instructions are, it says that we vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. So like we talked about, um, I'm going to start doing step 10 as I'm continuing to do my amends. I'm not going to wait to do all my, uh, to do step 10 while I do all my amends. We're going to kind of do it at the same time. And so um, then it says that we entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. And so I've heard before that, you know, steps 10, 11, and 12 are maintenance steps, but really they're about growth and maintenance. And there's so much growth to be had in step 10. And so it says that it's not an overnight matter. It should continue for a lifetime. This is something that I'm going to continue to do always. And what I love about it too, is that it starts out kind of, they have to have a lot of discipline, you know, to start looking for these things and to call my sponsor and to talk to God about it and to get out of myself. Um, but the longer I do it, the more it becomes just kind of habit. It becomes just a part of my life where I can start seeing like, Ooh, you know, little things pop up where before I would have to wait for something massive to happen for me to recognize that I maybe have done something wrong or need to apologize. And now I can see these little things, you know, and we can catch them before they become big. So there are four things that step 10 is going to ask us to do. The first says that we continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. So our first instruction is to watch. We're going to go through our day and we're going to look for these things. You know, as I'm interacting with people and going to work and with my husband and with my family, you know, am I being selfish? Am I being dishonest? Am I resentful? Am I in fear about something? And so through doing that, you know, I learned a lot about what these things really are, you know, dishonesty, I thought was just telling lies, you know, and it's, it's more than that. It's about my motives. It's about hiding truth. It's about not telling the whole truth, you know? And so I get to see these little things that crop up and resentment. You know, I don't always have to just be angry at somebody. It's this re-feeling of things. And then fear has always been a big one for me, you know, getting in fear and not knowing what to do about it. And so this is something that now that I'm in kind of the habit of this, it's you notice these things about yourself. And you start to actually really want some feedback and some direction and some guidance. Um, and it's funny because I used to live and sit with these things forever and they would grow and they'd become huge. And I felt like I couldn't do anything about them. So I just lived in fear and resentment and dishonesty in all of these ways. And now it's like the littlest thing comes up and I'm like, oh, I need, I need some help with this. I need some direction. I need someone to tell me how to... Uh, make this right. And so I'm going to continue throughout my day to watch for these things. The next thing I'm going to do, my second instruction is that when these crop up, when they crop up, you know, because I am going to get resentful, I am going to be dishonest and selfish and, and full of fear sometimes, you know, I am still human. And so even though I have grown spiritually in steps one through nine. I've seen a lot of truth about myself. I've started making amends to people. I am going to make mistakes. 
you know, and I am going to continue to grow and to learn. Um, and the hope is that, you know, I'm not going to continue to do the same things over and over and over and continue to harm people that I'll start to notice them as soon as it comes up so that I can do something different right away. And so when they crop up, because they will, we're going to ask God to remove them. You know, as soon as I start feeling that little bit of fear, you know, like I am getting ready to do something I've never done before and I'm really scared, or I've got to deal with a situation that I was not prepared to deal with and I'm afraid, I'm going to immediately ask God to remove that fear. And so the third thing is that we're going to discuss these things with someone immediately, immediately, you know, and make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. So as soon as these things crop up, you know, I'm going to start noticing them. I'm going to ask God to remove them and I'm going to call my sponsor. And I will say, you know, I can notice these things happening a lot more now that I've done this and practiced for a while in the beginning, I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, I just, so I just stayed really connected with my sponsor and we would talk about things. And then I, she would be able to point out to me oh, you know, it sounds like you're in fear, you know, here's what we do about fear. Um, and the really cool thing about sponsorship is that, you know, this is someone that I just did a fourth and fifth step with. So she already knows my patterns and my behavior and my character defects. So she can work with me on these things continually as I go through. I remember, um, you know, being in a relationship early in sobriety and it, you know, was not the relationship for me. It wasn't horrible, but I just wasn't happy. Um, it wasn't the person I, you know, thought I was going to be with for the rest of my life. And, and so we did this on again, off again, on again, off again thing. And I continued to talk to my sponsor about it. I was in a lot of fear. I was in fear about being alone, all of those things that crop up. And so when I had talked to her about this, you know, multiple times, like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? She was able to point me back to my previous, you know, things that had come up in my fourth and fifth step, like, oh, this sounds a lot like this relationship that you had been before. And what happened there? You know, there's, it caused a lot of resentment. You had to go make amends, you know, all of these things. So she's aware of, of how I show up and she can kind of guide me in that because she knows everything about me. And then we're going to make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. And I'm reminded of, you know, situations with my husband or getting in an argument with him, um, whatever it is. And I call my sponsor, you know, I've already prayed about it. Um, and I kind of, you know, thinking about that, I had did it a little backwards for a while until I got in the habit of it, where I would call my sponsor and I'm like, I'm afraid I'm so much fear, you know, or I did this thing. I feel horrible. And she's like, have you prayed about it? I'm like, Oh yeah, no, I haven't. I need to go do that. Um, and so then you start to realize like, okay, I do these steps in order, you know, like anything else I do, I'm going to watch for these things. And then I'm going to ask God to remove it. And I'm going to tell someone about it. And, you know, I, there are so many times where, you know, say fear, I'm afraid I, I'm aware of it. I've asked God to remove it. And I can't remember this exact situation, but I know that there was something happening in my life like years ago. And I was in a lot of fear and I was like, man, I've 
I've recognized it. I'm asking God to remove it. You know, we'll get to the next part of step 10, which is like, we're going to go out and help another person. You know, I'm out helping people trying to get out of my head, be of service, you know, all these things. And this fear just won't go away. And the one thing I hadn't done was call my freaking sponsor about it. And I would tell myself, you know, well, I know what she's going to say. I know what page she's going to turn me to. I know what instruction she's going to give me. I know what to do. But it was as soon as I called her and said it out loud, something was lifted, you know, I, and I don't know why that happens, but I know that all of these instructions are in there for a specific purpose and something I think really powerful happens when you just say those things out loud. If I'm resentful, you know, it's really easy before I say it out loud to someone for me to kind of justify it in my head, you know, oh, my husband pissed me off. Well well, he shouldn't have, you know, or maybe I reacted in a way to him when he was mad or whatever it was. And I can justify to my head, well, if he hadn't done that, then I wouldn't have reacted this way. And I'm like, well, you know, I was wrong a little bit, but he was more wrong than me. But as soon as I say it out loud to another person, you know, it becomes real. Like, oh, the the real thing here is that I'm resentful and I can't afford to be resentful. Um, and so I get to work on those. And so you know, I'm going to discuss these things with my sponsor. When they say discuss with someone, that's going to be my sponsor, you know, and I don't want to go around um, 10 stepping with everybody I know, because I have been guilty of doing that in the past of having some situation happen in my life. And I, I know what is what's going on. I'm, you know, being selfish, whatever it is. And I'm talking to my friends about it. And I'm like, well, they're in recovery. You know, they, they know they work a program. They can help guide me. And, you know, it's great to have that community and people to talk to about these things. Um, and it's really helpful and it's amazing. And we can be helpful to each other, but my sponsor is going to be the one that can guide me and really give me direction. Everyone else I'm talking to is really just to have a conversation about, you know, because what I can end up doing is going around talking to everyone about it until I get the answer I'm looking for, you know, and, and I will get that if I go around long enough talking to enough people, they'll say, Oh yeah, you know, your husband shouldn't have done that. I'd react the same way if I were you. And I'm like, yeah, see, I don't feel so bad anymore. Yeah. He was wrong. I'm right. (laughs) But the point is like, I'm here to grow spiritually. So if I've got these things cropping up and I'm not dealing with them, what happens is they grow and they grow and they grow and they grow. And this is what blocks me, you know, and, and step four and five, it's like, I did a huge overhaul of all of these things. And so I'm looking back through my past. And, and so now I've got, I'm I'm really clear, you know, and I've, I've seen all of these patterns. I've seen my character defects. And then, um, and step 10, I'm trying to not have it get that bad again. But I've had that happen before where it's, you know, it's just little things. It's little, little things. Like someone pisses me off and I'm like, well, you know, I shouldn't feel like that anyway. You know, I shouldn't be angry with them. So I'm just going to let it go. And, but I don't do anything about it. And then like another thing crops up and another little thing and another little thing. And before I know it, I am feeling so uncomfortable. I'm feeling blocked. I don't feel like I'm useful. I'm stuck in my head. All I'm thinking about is myself, you know, all of these things. And it just builds and builds and builds. And so I promise you, it's much easier to deal with these things as soon as they come up, because I have been there where I 
let things go. And I didn't talk to my sponsor about it as much as I should have. And they built and they built up and they built up and they built up. And then I am calling my sponsor and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm losing my mind. I, I'm going crazy and I don't even know how to 10 step anymore. Like help me, you know? And so if you can learn anything, like learn from my mistakes that I've been there and it's not a great place to be. And it's like, as soon as I do this, as soon as I talk to her about it and pray about it and get out of myself and help someone else, it's like, Oh, this does work. <laughs> you know, it still works. And so after we've talk to our sponsor about it. And if we make, if we need to make amends, you know, and she's going to give me some really clear instructions on whether or not I need to do that. Then the next thing that we're going to do is the thing that we do all the time when anything comes up and we don't know what to do when we're stuck in self, it says that we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. That's, what's going to help me. You know, I, I have to turn around and give myself to others. And I remember a couple of years ago, I was sponsoring this woman and I had been in a lot of fear about a situation. Um, I can't even remember all the details of it, but I just remember feeling like really lost and, and scared and called my sponsor. You know, I prayed about it. I did all those things. And then I immediately went and uh, went to do some step work with her. And it was like, as soon as we sat down and talked, she was dealing with the same fears and things that I was dealing with. And I got to be helpful to her um, with this thing that I was just seeking help with. So we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. And it says that love and tolerance of others is our code. That's our code. You know, that's what we live by. And this is something to bring into your everyday life. I have to remember this always, you know, love and tolerance, love and tolerance, love and tolerance. That's how I need to show up in life. Now, my purpose is to be helpful. And so if I'm letting these things build up and I'm not doing anything about them and I'm full of fear and I'm resentful and I'm being selfish and dishonest and all this, I'm not being helpful to anybody. Um, so it's my job to take care of these things. And so the next part of this are the promises. And the promises for step 10 are some of my favorite because we start talking about, you know, our sanity returning and how amazing is that? You know, in step two, I realized like I'm insane around alcohol. I need sanity around this one thing in my life. You know, I, I can pretty much get through any other thing. Like I have a very strong will. I'm smart. You know, we all are, and we all have that. But this one thing that I just couldn't do on my own was taking care of my alcohol problem. And so in step two, I am looking for sanity, you know, and I become willing to believe that something, hopefully there is something out there that's going to take away this mental obsession. And then, then you look at step 10 and these promises, it says we've ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol for by this time, sanity will have returned. It's an, it's amazing. You know, that's a miracle that I can show up in life and that I'm not fighting. I'm not fighting anyone or anything, not even alcohol. And I remember life feeling like such a battle, you know, just so hard and everything was a fight and nobody understood. And, 
and I couldn't stop drinking, you know, and I try all these different ways to stop on my own or with treatment or therapy and, and I can't get it. But when I do this work and I follow the steps precisely how they're outlined in the book, like this is the, these are the promises that I get that I'm going to have sanity around alcohol and that I'm not going to have to fight it. My recovery doesn't look like waking up in the morning and, and praying to God that I don't drink today. It looks like I wake up in the morning and I say my, you know, prayers, meditation. I have a little quiet time and I go about my day and none of it is about alcohol. I don't really ever pray to God about alcohol. I'm asking God to help me with, you know, things that are outlined here in step 10, um, and showing me how to be helpful and thinking about others. And so I have sanity now. And what does that look like? Well, it looks like, and I always like to compare my alcoholism to reactions that I have to other things that I'm allergic to, you know, amoxicillin. And when I take it, I break out in hives, but I am sane around amoxicillin. And so I know anytime I get sick and I go to the doctor, the first thing I tell them is don't give me that because I have a bad reaction to it. And I have a really bad reaction to alcohol, way worse than my amoxicillin reaction, because when I start, I cannot stop. Just physically cannot stop. And so I make a lot of decisions. Okay, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And then I do it again. You know, so my mind is telling me to do this crazy thing. You know, imagine if I broke out in hives and my throat was closing up after taking amoxicillin. And then I'm like trying to go to the doctor and ask for more. That's what we look like, you know, and that's, that's the insanity around alcoholism. And so sanity returns. And what it looks like is I can react to alcohol the same way I react to amoxicillin, you know, and I can look at it and say, Oh, you know, I don't take that. I know how I react to it. Um, and so that physical reaction isn't removed, but the mental part, you know, is, is changed. And, you know, that's kind of what my spiritual awakening or psychic change was, is this, my mind was different around alcohol. I don't have to hide from it. I don't have to try to keep myself so busy that I don't think about drinking or any of those things. All I have to do is continue to follow the instructions that are in this book. And if I do that and I'm serious about this, then I won't have to fight it, you know? And when I talk about, you know, not having this mental obsession anymore, there was no day that I can remember that it just happened. Right. Like it was, it was all of a sudden I was looking back and I'm like, man, I haven't thought about drinking in a while. This is crazy. You know? because God did it for me. You know, I didn't choose to this day. I'm not going to think about it anymore. God did that for me as a direct result of working these steps. And so these 10 step promises are incredible. And so, and then it says that we will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as if from a hot flame. I know how I react. I, in, and uh, you know, before in the book, it talks about, you know, putting our hand on a hot stove, you know, it talks about the insanity that I'm going to I'm not going to touch a hot stove again after I know that it hurts, but I do that with alcohol. I do it over and over and over again. And at this point I can react sanely to it as if from a hot flame, I'm not going to put my hand into the fire. And so I can think about it sanely. Um, it says we react sanely and normally, and we will find this happened automatically, you know, and that's kind of what I mean when God did this for me, I, 
have, I've heard someone describe it um, before and I hopefully won't butcher this analogy, but you know, if you've ever been moving or reorganizing your closet and you have, and I recently did this, I switched out all my hangers and you have a big pile of hangers and it is like, dude, you can't get those things undone. It is crazy. And so you're trying and trying and trying and trying, and I'm wasting all this time trying to untangle these freaking hangers. Um, and it's impossible. And so what we're asking you to do in these steps is stop messing with it. Stop messing with this thing and come over here and do this instead. And it feels weird. Cause you're like, well, this is my problem. I need to focus on it. I need to fix it. Well, I proved to myself that I can't fix it. I can't do it on my own. So what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to shift my focus to the spiritual program. And as a result, God is going to take care of that problem for me. And it happens automatically. Like they say, it's not something that I made happen. And then it says that we will see that our new attitude attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That's the miracle of it. We're not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. And that's really important. I think, um, to talk about that, I can react in a totally neutral way around alcohol. Um, I'm not tempted by it. I'm not fighting it. I'm not, I'm not really reacting in any way at all. It's just not that the problem has been removed. And it says, we've not even sworn it off. How crazy is that? That I didn't even have to say, like, I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to decide, like, I'm never drinking again. It's always been about getting connected to God so that he can take away this problem. That instead, the problem's been removed. It does not exist for us. We're neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. This is so important. You know, I, I, like I said, I'd been through the program before, you know, thought I had worked the steps thoroughly looking back, realized, no, I didn't. And if I want to continue to have these promises to react sanely around alcohol, to be in this position of neutrality, safe and protected, wherever I go, whatever I do, no matter if alcohol is around or not, I have to stay spiritually fit. And how do I do that? Well, we have, we have all the instructions right here. And step 10 is a big part of that, that I've got to continue watching for these things as they come up. I've got to deal with them right away, you know, or else I get, I'm back at square one where I've let all these things build up. And so the next part of this, it starts going into step 11, which I can talk about for a little bit too. Um, if anyone has any questions before I talk about step 11, I'm happy to answer them. I have one Ainsley. I know you mentioned in the beginning how you didn't 10 step before and yeah. when trying to recover. And that has been my experience as well. And this yeah. time, you know, I have started that and it's made a big difference in my recovery. So can you talk a little bit about uh, how you struggled with it and then how yeah. you overcame that struggle? Yeah. You know, I think, um, there were a couple things going on first, you know, I didn't really understand what my sponsor was for. I thought I was just supposed to like call her and talk or call her when I felt like drinking or, you know, I just didn't understand. So lack of knowledge, you know, I didn't have the education around it that I do now, but the other thing, the biggest thing was that 
I had this idea in the back of my mind that I'm not going to have to do this stuff forever. I'm just going to, you know, get through the parts of AA that make my life better. And once my life is better, then I'll be ready to move on. Um, so I just didn't really utilize my sponsor in the way that I needed to, because I didn't, it always comes back down to step one. You know, I just did not have that desperation. I didn't think that I needed this. I thought that I needed it to an extent, you know, cause I was having problems and my life was hard, you know, and all these things. Um, and so what changed for me is really having a full on step one experience and knowing like, Oh my God, like I am, I'm screwed. You know, I don't have any other way around this. I've tried it all. I can't figure it out. I need help and I will do whatever it is you tell me to do. And so what started out in step 10 as desperation and just doing what I'm told to do, like I will do anything for help ended up being a really amazing opportunity for growth because it became habit. And so I did it, you know, not really understanding it, you know, at step 10, I was, you know, maybe like a month sober we worked the steps pretty quickly. So I didn't fully understand these things. Um, and I understood them more as I went along. And so the difference, God, the difference is amazing. It's like, it's so simple. Why did I not do this before? <laughs> I don't know what it is, my ego or something. It's like, hard to pick up the phone and tell someone that I'm, you know, acting in whatever way or feeling a certain way. And, but every time I do it, I walk away, like so grateful that I did. Um, and so it does take, you know, that discipline at first. And that for me, that discipline came from the desperation that I had in step one and knowing that if I don't do these things, this is all going to build up again. And this mental obsession is going to return. And I've had that, you know, and I've had that experience in the past and, and then having a really thorough and honest fourth and fifth step too ties right into this, that I saw, you know, it says that we've swallowed some big chunks of truth about ourselves. I, I was able to see everything from a totally different perspective. And that made me want to continue to do this. Are you or someone you love struggling with the inability to stop drinking? At the Magdalene House, we believe that education about alcoholism and recovery is crucial to helping more alcoholic women and their families recover. Our staff is available to provide speakers to the public who will discuss the disease of alcoholism, how to help someone who may be struggling, and more available resources. To request a speaker, please visit our website at magdalenehouse.org education. Well, I really like too how you talked about uh, just saying it out loud when you talk mm -hmm. to your sponsor, because what I noticed too is saying it out loud and and that's practicing, right? The tenth step. Yeah. But sometimes uh, before I could even get it out of my mouth and finish the sentence, I would already know, you know, yeah. what you're yeah. going to say. So the more we do it, the more practice we get, and then it starts to become a part of us. And thank yeah. you so much for sharing that. Yeah. And so, you know, step 10 is about that, you know, continuing to take personal inventory and um, making amends where we need to, so that I don't 
have things build up like I had before. So it's, yeah, it's steps four through nine, all kind of rolled up into one, like I said, because I'm going to continue to take inventory and um, share it with my sponsor. And that's, you know, steps four and five, ask God to remove them and then, you know, make amends where I need to. And sometimes it can be kind of a scary thing. Um, you know, I had an example that comes to mind of, you know, a time where I had to make amends to my husband, um, for being dishonest, you know, and it was kind of like really humbling experience because I thought I'm past that stuff. You know, I don't do that anymore, but when I'm in fear, I do all kinds of weird things. Um, and so what happened is I didn't address this fear that I had. And as a result of that, you know, I'm reacting to things out of fear and I lied. And, you know, it's funny that the, those kinds of things before didn't seem like a big deal. I probably would have not even noticed it. And now it's like, I can't sit with it. I'm so uncomfortable. I feel so horrible. Like I, that stuff. And, you know, we find it objectionable. I, I do not want to do that anymore. And so, yeah, it was, it was a financial thing. I was in fear about some bills. Um, instead of talking to him about it and saying, here's what's going on. Um, I ignored it and it built and built and built literally the financial stuff built and built and built. Um, and so did my fear and it all came to a head. It, it was like, man, I, I can still do those things. And so I've got to really take care of it before it gets to that point. You know, the result of that was I, yeah, I had to call my sponsor and I had to talk to God about it a lot. And I was afraid about making the amends and, but I did it and it ended up really helping our relationship. And my husband got to see the program in action, um, which was cool because he's not an alcoholic. So, yeah. And then we get to step 11, which is about prayer and meditation. I'm going to try to maintain constant contact with God and everything I do throughout my day. And so it says step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. We shouldn't be shy on the matter of prayer. And it says it works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. So I hadn't practiced prayer and meditation before. I really didn't know how to do it. I, I hadn't prayed in a long time and I didn't really know how to pray. I was like, I feel kind of weird. I feel like I'm just talking to some person that's not there. I'm not feeling it. I don't know, but I'm going to continue to practice. And the good thing is just like every other step in this book, it's going to give us instructions on how to do it. And so on page 86 and 87, we have, you know, our nightly inventory and our morning meditation. Um, but I'm going to do this throughout the day, you know, and it says before it says that every day is a day. We must carry the vision of God's will into our, all of our activities, everything we do. Um, you know, and it's about practicing these spiritual principles in every area of my life, not just when I'm chairing a meeting, not just when I'm at Maggie's, but when I come home, when I'm with my family, when I'm out at the grocery store, um, when I'm on the phone with customer service, you know, all of these things, I've got to practice spiritual principles in all my affairs. And so it says, how can I best serve thee? Thy will be done. These are thoughts that must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line. All we wish it is the proper use of the will. I'm kind of going backwards a little bit, kind of back to step 10, but when I'm spiritually fit, when I'm connected, um, then I can use my will because my will is aligned with God's. 
and I, you know, and it takes work to get there and it takes practice. And so, yeah, then we getting, getting into step 11 and the prayer and meditation, you know, and I can really quick, just go over like what, what we do with the nightly in the morning meditation, but on 86 and, you know, this is something that you can use forever. You know, you don't have to figure out how to pray and meditate. You have these specific things. I still use this, you know, that I, and you can add things into it. If you have like a cool meditation book or something like that, you know, that's fine. But, you know, in addition to, because we're going to always want to look at these things. So step 10 is what we're going to do throughout the day. We're going to, you know, when things crop up immediately, Ooh, I, you know, I'm in fear. Oh, I was a little, you know, I was dishonest and I'm going to ask God to remove it. Okay. I'm going to call my sponsor and she's going to give me instructions, whether I need to make amends or not. And then I'm going to immediately turn my thoughts to who I can help. That is a day-to-day thing. That's going to, you know, the more you do it, the more it just becomes a part of just how you go through life, which is really cool. It doesn't take as much effort. And then this, when we retire at night, is me reviewing my day. You know, it's different than step 10. You're going to ask yourself a lot of the same things, um, but it's a really great way to kind of, it's a kind of a catch all at the end of the day. You know, hopefully I have caught things throughout the day that come up, but if I don't, or if something's, I didn't really take time to think about it or step back and, you know, think about those things. And I can go through this at night and really see anything else that came up and sort of look at how, how was I showing up today? And so I did mine, um, in the beginning through my spiritual tool toolkit app, which was super, super helpful. Cause it literally just goes through these questions and you can answer them. And then it tells you, you know, what to pray about. And it's really, really cool. Um, and for someone like me who had, you know, not really practiced this stuff before, it really helped me, you know, learn how to do that and learn how to bring that into my daily life. And so it says, when we retire at night, we constructively review our day. It's really easy to look at these questions and answer them and be critical of ourselves, you know, or, or think, gosh, I should have done better. You know, I shouldn't have acted like that. That's not what this is about. This is about constructive, you know, we're doing this to grow and to learn and to get closer to God. So I'm going to ask myself these things, you know, was I resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid kind of, you know, the questions in step 10, but if I didn't catch it throughout the day, do I owe an apology? Have we kept something to ourselves, which should be discussed with another person at once? Were we kind and loving toward all? What could we have done better? Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? Or were we thinking of what we could do for others, what we could pack into the stream of life? So I I love these as kind of a reflection at the end of the day and to ask God to help me with whatever, you know, comes up through this. You know, what I started to see is that every night, you know, if I've got the same things coming up over and over and over, I've got something that I haven't dealt with, you know, and I need to get with God and I need to get with my sponsor. If every night I am saying, have I kept something to myself? You know, it's like, oh yeah, I need to talk to my sponsor about this thing. And the next day it's like, oh, that's still there. Oh, that's still there. And then it's like, I can really see the things that I'm holding on to that I need to address. And then it says, but we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection. So kind of like I mentioned at the beginning, you know, the point is not to feel bad about myself or see how wrong I was all day. It's to see where can I grow? Where can I do better? 
the more I grow, the closer I get to God, the more helpful I can be to other people. That's it. You know, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to do these things. That's why we do it. You know, that's why we have 10 and 11. If I were going to work the steps and never be selfish or dishonest or in fear, any of that again, then I wouldn't need to do the rest of this stuff. But when they wrote this, they knew, you know, we're human and we're going to have these things crop up. And so when we do and step 10, hopefully, you know, we're going to deal with it immediately. And then step 11, we have a way to kind of look at that at the end of each day. And then it says, yeah, we're not going to go into worry, remorse, and more of a reflection. Why? Not because it makes me feel bad about myself, but because that would diminish our usefulness to others. Always going back to the fact that my purpose now is to help other people. And it says, after making our review, we ask. So anywhere it says ask, it's going to be a prayer. So I ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. So I love that they keep it, you know, really short and simple. I'm going to look at these things and reflect on my day and see what I need to do better. See what I need to make right. Um, after I review, I'm just going to ask God for forgiveness and whatever I did throughout the day that, um, I could have done better and see what I can do to make that right. And then, you know, I, there are definitely things that you can bring into step 11. Like I said, different meditation, if you want to do, I bring in a lot of other prayers from the big book, um, especially in the morning, like step three, the third step prayer is amazing. And it's a really, for me, it's been a great way to start my mornings and the morning part is awesome. And I know that we, we do these every day at Maggie's and that got me in the habit of really using these pages. And I have had times where I have kind of like drifted into my own, I'm going to use this, you know, daily meditation book or whatever, and didn't do as much of what's instructed in here. And man, don't do that. (laughs) That doesn't work so well for me because I'm not, what I found was that, you know, I was doing kind of prayer and meditation in my own way, which that's fine, but I wasn't kind of taking this review of my day. And so then for the morning, it says that, you know, on awakening, we're going to think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day and we consider them because things change (laughs) and everything that I plan is not always going to work out the way that I want it to, or think it's going to. Um, so I love that because I kind of start my day with the idea that perhaps things are not going to go the way that I want them to all the time. And so before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. So this is another prayer. I'm going to ask God to direct my thinking and to, for it to be divorced, you know, that's pretty serious wording. I want my thoughts to be completely divorced from, um, self-pity, dishonesty, and self-seeking motives. And then I won't go, I won't read the whole thing, but it says, and thinking about our day, we may face indecision. You know, there's going to be times when you're not sure what to do. I come into a situation and I'm, I don't know what is the right thing to do. I don't know which way I should take It's going to tell me how to handle that. We're going to ask God for inspiration for an intuitive thought or a decision. That's another prayer. We're going to ask God. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. This is the one part in the book where they do tell us to relax and take it easy. You know, there's a, in a lot of other places there. It's like, 
get into action immediately, you know, at once, all of these things. And this is the part where it tells us we're going to relax and take it easy. Not about our whole recovery, but just about this one specific thing. If I am unsure about what to do with something, I'm going to ask God to give me some inspiration, give me an answer, God, and then I'm going to wait. I'm just going to wait until I get that intuitive thought or inspiration. And it's cool because I don't have to, again, like I don't have to fight or try to figure this out on my own. God is going to do that with me and he's going to do it for me. So it says we're often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. And this happens a lot, you know, and a lot of times what I find is that situations that I, I'm not sure what to do in, or I feel like I need to control, you know, I talk to God about it and then I'm like, okay, I just wait. And a lot of times my answer is don't do anything, you know, just stay out of it. <laughs> and so it says that what used to be the hunt or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. The more that I practice this stuff, the more it's going to become second nature. Again, back to the discipline part in the beginning, it's going to take discipline. And that always, for me was like back to step one. I know that if I don't do this, what's going to happen, you know, this mental obsession will return. Um, and so as I continue to do it, it's going to become a working part of my mind being still and experienced, having just made conscious contact with God. It's not probable that we're going to be inspired at all times, you know, and we may not feel like this burning bush moment or this, you know, inspiration when we're encountering a situation that we're not sure what to do with. And that's okay. It's just, as long as you keep practicing this and keep practicing this, then you'll kind of learn, like, what does that intuition feel like? What is, what do I, you know, sometimes it's just this little thought in my head. That's like, that's the answer, you know, it says we might pay for this presumption and all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. I put next to that in my book recovered because it's telling me that I can rely on my thoughts in step one. You know, when I have no sanity around this deal, I can't rely on my thoughts. You know, when I'm in Maggie's, you know, an example, and I've, you know, kind of started working the steps or even like when I've been in other treatment centers, my thoughts are like, really wild at the time, you know, and I remember, especially one time being in treatment and thinking like, I'm good. Everything's great. I can't wait to, you know, get home. I'm ready to go now. I'm going to leave early. And everyone around me is like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm like, no, 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 this is great. Like I want to be sober. I am ready to get home. What I didn't understand was my disease, you know, and my mental obsession trying to get me back to this first drink. And so I can't trust my thoughts at that point, but now I can, you know, now I have sanity and I can rely on my thoughts. And I also put, you know, when I align my will with God's will, I can properly use my mind. And so it says that we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer, another prayer that we be shown all through the day, what our next step is to be. We be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask another one especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no request for ourselves only, only if it'll help others. And so basically, you know, what this looks like for me is getting up in the morning. I usually say my third step prayer, cause I just love it. I feel like it kind of taught, it covers a lot of like what this is talking about. And I'm not going to like 
pray for myself. You know, I'm not praying about God, keep me sober. I'm not praying about, you know, keep me from drinking today. I'm not praying about, please let me get this thing. It's, you know, if I'm praying about myself, it's usually like, God, remove this fear, you know, remove this thing that's getting in the way of me being useful. So yeah, it says that we we're careful not to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that. Um, and it doesn't work. <laughs> and so then it says that, you know, if circumstances weren't, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. This sounds lovely, but I usually am doing mine by myself. Um, <laughs> I think it'd be nice if I had like, we did like family meditation. Um, and I know people that do, you know, with their partner, or whoever wake up in the morning and do their meditations together. And I think that's amazing. So if you can do that and make it a a thing that happens in your family or your, whatever your living situation is. I think that's amazing. And then this part talks about, I really like this next part because it talks about, you know, kind of what I said before about where we add things into our meditation, you know, it says if we belong to a religious denomination, denomination, which requires a morning devotion, we attend to that also, you know, so if you go to church, if you have some other, you know, religious beliefs, or even if they're not religious, but something that you just like to bring into your morning meditation. Awesome. You know, cool. Bring that in, but we do it also, you know, in addition to what it's asking us to do here. Yeah. And it says, if not members from religious bodies, we select and memorize a few set prayers that emphasize the principles we've been discussing. There's helpful books also. And it says, be quick to see where religious people are right. And I think that's a really cool part too, because for so long, for years and years and years, I was looking at where the religious people were wrong. And now I get to look at, you know, which I think is humbling and you get to look at, you know, where are they right? What things are they doing that are making their lives better? And how can I bring that into mind? Um, make use of what they offer. And then the next part, which I will finish with that, because this is, this is something that changed a lot for me was pausing Um, this is something that I think is so important to talk about because, um, I think I mentioned this earlier, you know, it was very typical for me to just react. You know, I didn't even stop to think about how I reacted to things or how I was showing up. It was just go, 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 go. And don't think about it. And so this is saying that as we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful. So my instructions, if I'm agitated, if I'm irritated, if someone's pissing me off or I'm doubtful, I'm not sure what to do what am I going to do? I'm going to pause. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to pause. And then what am I going to do? I'm going to ask for the right thought or action. And so for me in the beginning, pausing, I, I, you know, it it took practice, but I would pause. I'd be like, okay, something's happening. It's irritating me. Instead of reacting, I'm going to stop, you know, I'm going to pause. And then I would just, you know, not do anything about it, but I wouldn't bring in that I wouldn't bring God into it, you know, and you've got to take in this second part. It says, ask for the right thought or action. It's a prayer. You know, if something is bothering me, I'm not sure what to do. You know, I am going to stop and I'm going to ask God to show me what to do. And it says that we constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. Humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. You know, I am for a little bit there, my sponsor, I can't even remember what I was dealing with, but it was, um, me trying to run the show on something. And so I put this reminder in my phone that would pop up throughout the day. And it says, I will be done. Not mine. I will be done. Not mine. And so I kind of constantly was reminded of this and it helped a lot. 
And it says then we're in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. We've become much more efficient. We don't tire so easily, you know, and how I felt so exhausted in life before trying to, you know, run the show and do everything on my own and control everything around me is really exhausting. And when I am able to step back and let God do his job, you know, I'm, I'm not good at playing God. It's not what I came here for. Then things become a little bit easier, you know, and I have more energy and I feel better because I'm not exhausted running around in circles, trying to control everything and make it happen in my way. And so it says it works. It really does. We alcoholics are undisciplined. So we let God discipline us in the simple way we have just outlined. Um, and then it goes straight into working with others. So with that, I will finish up unless y'all have any questions, but I'm so glad I got to talk about these two things. It's always also, as I'm going through it, it's like a reminder of how important it is. And you get to see like, oh yeah, that's something I need to be doing more of or yeah. So I'm really grateful to be here. Thank you guys. Yes. Thank you so much. That was so good. So Ainsley, uh, one last question to our new participants that just got out of the house, et cetera, or maybe it's their first time in recovery. What key point uh, would you share in regards to their uh, journey? Well, I would say for the women that have gone through the house and even for those who haven't, what we're giving you are these tools, you know, and, and if you went through the house and you spent two weeks there and, you know, we did on awakening, we did all of these things. Um, we gave you the information. Now is your time to actually put it into practice, you know, put it into practice and see what God does. It's really, really cool. And the more you do it, the more it becomes habit and it becomes just a part of your daily life. So just keep doing it over and over and over and you'll grow and learn so much. It's amazing. And, and another thing, you know, is that what I do today and what y'all are doing today are the same, you know, you don't ever have to figure it out on your own. It doesn't ever have to change. You can add and grow to these things, but the good thing is we never have to figure it out by ourselves. We have a whole manual for life. Um, so what works for me now is what worked for me, you know, when I was two weeks over. Thank you so much. So encouraging. Thank you, Ainsley, for joining us. And everybody, have a great day. This podcast is from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a nonprofit organization located in Dallas, Texas, and we provide comprehensive recovery services to alcoholic women at absolutely no cost. You can learn more and support our mission at magdalenhouse.org.